uh, when, when say, the Bible says uh, God was in the world, recon- uh, God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself, yeah. um, I think that's descriptive. It, mm-hmm. I think that is describing something that happened objectively without our uh, um, conscious awareness or anything. I think mm-hmm. it's just something that is being described. But um, exclusive theology wants to interpret that in a, um, uh, a prescriptive way to say that, um, therefore, the only way that you can be included in this is, is by believing it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a drug rather than, right. rather than something that's in the air that everybody ingests. <laughs> it's something you need to line up and get a, a, a shot for. Tell me what you want Because I don't know who to be And I never thought we'd ever see A battle we can be And I don't know who you are And I don't know who Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn. I am your host, and this is episode number 129. And it's uh, part number three of our series, Good News for All People. And this is officially our Christmas episode. So Merry Christmas, my friends. Uh, this episode is dropping on Monday. Christmas is on Friday. And so uh, buckle up and get ready because today we're talking to the one and the only naked pastor, David Hayward. Uh, you know him from his cartoons that make their way around the internet. Uh, where he critiques the church and some of the uh, inner workings of the church. And uh, some people appreciate his work and some people do not, <laughs> let's put it that way. Uh, but he's coming on today to talk to us uh, about those the angel's words, uh, good news for all people, and uh, talk to us about how the word all really does mean all. And uh, good stuff coming your way. So what are your plans for Christmas this year? It's hard, right? Uh, We're in a weird time. Uh, Plans likely don't look the way you thought they would look earlier this year. Uh, Obviously with the pandemic and uh, different requests from government officials about keeping distance and all those things, it's a lot. And uh, I hope that you're able to find some peace this Christmas. I know a lot of people who usually have really big family gatherings are not getting together at all. One of my friends, one of my coworkers, uh, they said that they usually have a really big uh, get-together, but what they're doing this year is one person is making the Christmas dinner, and everybody in the family is just going to their house and picking up a meal at the door and bringing it home, and uh, they're going to do Zoom and they're all going to kind of eat together over Zoom. Uh, so just strange times, right? Like who would have thought a year ago that we would be even thinking about something 
like that. So these are these are hard times, and uh, I pray, I pray with all of my heart they're able to find some some peace and uh, some joy in the midst of the weirdness and the grief of the end of this year, for sure. Uh, yeah, man. You know, after all that, I don't even want to talk about the other things. There's links in the show notes. Head over there, check it out. Patreon, Heretic Shop, um, all those different kinds of things. Uh, I don't want to talk about that today. Uh, what I do want to do, though, is I want to tell you about a new person who's bringing on some special music onto the show. His name is Forrest Clay, and uh, he's somebody who I came across on another podcast whose music is wonderful, and uh, I reached out to him and I said, hey, I've got a podcast, and uh, I was wondering if you'd want to share some of your music with our listeners, and he said, absolutely. So his name is Forrest Clay. Uh, one of the songs today is a Christmas song because it's Christmas, so we have to, Right. And uh, the other songs are some of his, uh, reflect some of his work, which is really, really good. So head over to uh, Spotify, Apple Music, all the places where you download awesome music. Uh, download it, listen to it, pass it around. Uh, his name is Forrest Clay. So all of that to say, my friends, this is episode number 129. It's part number three of our series, Good News for All People. It is our Christmas episode with the one and the only, the coolest pastor, the naked pastor, David Hayward. Enjoy. I wonder what was it like to see a light so low in the sky, to follow it blindly, to see it shining so bright. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're sitting down with the Naked Pastor, David Hayward, for his third visit to the show. So David, welcome back to the podcast. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. I've been on three times now. Three times. I went back and wow. I counted, unless three I missed one. Right <laughs> right. Or now you're going for the, uh, I guess you're batting, was it third is a hat trick or something like that? Something like that. A hat trick in hockey. That's right. That's right. The golden that's sombrero, I think, in baseball, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, we'll jump right in. We're we're recording this in October, uh, okay. but this episode will fall into our Christmas series. So we're going to try to right. get into the the Christmas spirit, and the series is called "Good News for All People." And uh, when I brainstormed the series and the guest list, your name was one of the first to come to mind because of your cartoons. And there's this one in particular. Uh, it's actually a sticker on my computer. And by the way, my, my computer is decked out with all of your stickers. I have two computers on my desk, my work computer and my personal computer. They both have all your stickers. So I'm definitely like a naked pastor junkie. <laughs> I have your cool. sweatshirt on right now, all the different things. But uh, this particular sticker is a picture of Jesus uh, hanging on the cross. And there's a large crowd surrounding him. And the words at the top say, uh, all means all. So yeah. the series is called Good News for All People. So talk to me about this cartoon. Maybe like, why is it important to you? 
Uh, what kind of insight might it give us into the angel's announcement back on that night that Jesus was born, uh, that mm-hmm. he came with good news for all the people? Well, thanks again, uh, Len, for having me on, on your show. It's always yeah. a pleasure. And, you know, Thank you. I feel like we're friends, and it's, uh, it's cool to be able to hang out. And hi to everybody out there uh, in podcast land. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I drew that cartoon. And one of the th- important things that people um, need to know about my work is that uh, I hope to draw in such a way that no matter where you are theologically on the spectrum, um, either a full-on church-going believer Mm. to uh, an ex-church-going atheist, whatever, wherever you are on the spectrum, I hope my art somehow appeals to you or, you know, that you you get it. So... Um, you know, whether or not you believe in the historical Jesus or, you know, or not, or, or, or whatever, this to me is immaterial. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to communicate something. Uh, so in this cartoon, all means all where Jesus is hanging on the cross and you see crowd, the whole world uh, around him mm-hmm. full of people. Uh, the, the point of that cartoon is I believe that if you believe in the Jesus who was crucified for the world, then it, I believe it needs to be universal, global, everyone, you know, that, so that, that, that's the point of that cartoon is it only makes sense if it's understood in this sort of universal way. I, I, I almost hesitate to use the word universal because people are going to immediately say he's a universalist right. and uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not denying it. I'm not claiming that. What I, what As I if that's such a horrible thing. Sorry. Yeah, it's a horrible thing. <laughs> what I'm claiming though is that um, for, for God so loved the world uh, there are no disclaimers or fine print. That's my point. That cartoon strikes me a lot because like I think of that verse in Romans where it says that, I think it's in Romans where Paul says that in like Adam, like all died or something like that, or death came yeah. to all through Adam. And I always mm. thought to myself, like if death came to everybody through Adam, but doesn't automatically come to everyone through Christ, it seems to me like the death, like the, the sin of Adam is much stronger than the, the work of Christ. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So I think one of the big problems in, in theology and hermeneutics and things, the interpretation of scripture and everything is um, people, we tend to turn something that I think is descriptive into something mm-hmm. prescriptive. So um, I think the mistake that's being made is uh, when, when say the Bible says uh, God was in the world, recon- uh, God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself. Yeah. Um, I think that's descriptive. It, mm-hmm. I think that is describing something that happened objectively without our uh, um, conscious awareness or anything. I think mm-hmm. it's just something that is being described, but um, exclusive theology wants to interpret that in a, um, uh, a prescriptive way to say that, um, therefore, the only way that you can be included in this is, is by believing it. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's like a drug rather than, rather than like, right. rather than something that's in the air that everybody ingests, <laughs> it's something you need to line up and get a, a shot for. Yeah. And I, I think those two, um, those two uh, theologies are what's clashing right now in the world. Hmm. 
it's odd though that then on the flip side, like it wouldn't, we wouldn't see Adam in the same way, right? Because that group of people would see Adam then as like the the sin of Adam as uh, pre no, as descriptive, I guess, not prescriptive, right? Because automatically everybody is dead right. in Adam. There right. is no choice right. to buy into it. Yeah, yeah like I, I think you're, it's, you're, I think you're making absolute sense that um, in in Adam all died and in Christ all live. I mean, I think that is descriptive. And yeah. um, so, so instead of, you know, in Adam all died. Yeah, everybody's dead. Uh, in, in Christ, uh, everyone lives. Yeah, okay, you got to believe in Christ mm. in order for this to be true. Right. For you. Right. And I think that's where it falls. Uh, I think that's what robs the, the verses like that of their power. Mm. So what does that then tell us about the angel's words that night when Jesus was born? Good news for all the people. Uh, what does that good news mean to you? <laughs> I have I have some cartoons with with the angels and the shepherds. Yeah, you do. Like <laughs> yep. Good news to all men. You know, this is for men. Okay. All uh, men. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, and and here's another um, way we can delineate between prescriptive and descriptive. It's good news. It's not a good. Uh, option it's you know it's not a it's yeah. not a, a good uh medicine that you need to ingest right it's good news news is something that's reported mm. something that's you know uh, proclaiming something that's happened mm. so uh, i i just would carry that argument into the into the angel's pronouncement as well is that it's describing something that's universally true yeah. good news to all the people um, it, it, it's, and I think that's where, um, evangelism and evangelicalism is, mm. uh, failing right now mm. is that it's, it's not good news. It's, it's a, a good opt-in for people who, you know, make the right choice. Yeah. I want, I read a book a while back. I forget what book it was, but it was one of those like books about the history of Christianity and you might've heard this as well. And you can correct me if I'm, if you might remember this differently, but back like in the like new Testament days, I remember reading that like when Rome would take over a province mm. that the emperor or Caesar, whoever would ride through the city on a horse and declare essentially that good news had come uh, to that place because Rome had taken it over. And so now it was under Rome's control. And so to your point, like, it wasn't like, well, there's an option for you to buy into Roman power. It's like, no, we've come here and we have taken it over. And so like, yeah. almost like the, the gospel writers referring to the coming of Christ as good news was really something that stood in direct opposition or in competition to the good news that Caesar was bringing through Rome. Yeah. So it's uh, uh, the Greek word euangelion that the, the it, it, you know, it's a Roman, um, you know, royal term yeah that yeah like you're right it's a pronouncement i mean you're now all ro under roman rule that mm. period you know and the only way you cannot be is if you opt out which meant you know exile or death right. which is interesting because that was bart's um bart carl bart was often accused of being a universalist mm. and um he called it he called uh the um this whole kind of universal salvation thing the uh, impossible no, hmm. where uh, everyone's included 
And the only way you, you can't be included is, is if you say the impossible no and opt out kind of thing. Hmm. And um, I, I think that was uh, an interesting take for somebody in the 40s. Right, Carl Yeah, Bart? yeah, I so, think so. What was it called again? The impossible no? Yeah, the impossible no. Hmm. Uh, I, think, I think that's what he called it. But in German. In German, which we don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Impossible nine. Right. There you, go. there you go. So uh, good news for all people. Let's make it really practical. Uh, today, in 2020, uh, what's that mean to you? Like we're nearing the end of the year. Uh, it's a year that's heard the word unprecedented a million different, different ways. A year that's been consumed by a pandemic. You're, you're in Canada. Obviously, you guys have been touched by that as well. Uh, here in the States, we've had you know, the fires in California. Earlier in the year, there were fires in Australia, uh, earthquakes, hurricanes. We have a big election coming up here in the States. Like, what, what does good news for all people mean to you now in 2020? Yeah, what a year, man. Yeah, it feels like a lot of bad news. <laughs> Just a, an incredible, incredible year. I'll tell you where I'm feeling the most good news Yeah, in my life. Mm-hmm. And that is um, the fellowship of love that I'm experiencing online. I basically mm-hmm. live the life of a hermit. I live at home. I work from home. I draw my cartoons and I do my writing from home. Lisa's a nurse, so our social bubble is very small, out of necessity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, and we, we social distance. We wear masks. We don't get in groups. You know, we're very, very careful because Lisa works for the very vulnerable. Mm. Um, you know, group of people yeah. in, in her palliative care home. So um, we're out of necessity, very kind of alone. Uh, and there's just a few people we allow into our bubble right now. And, and so, you know, we're finding a lot of fellowship and it's mostly me, Lisa's uh, not very much of an online person. Mm. Um, uh, online and, and I'm fellowshipping, I'm, I'm, I'm being loved and loving people all around the world, mm. literally. Yeah. All around the world, people of all kinds of languages, and um, you know, people. Uh, there isn't a country that isn't being touched by this pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, even New Zealand, which is you know just doing incredible in terms of uh, holding off the the disease. You know, they're in different kinds of uh, lockdowns and restrictions yeah. and everything as well. So life has changed for everybody all around the globe. Many people are lonely. Many people are depressed. Many people are scared. Um, many people are feeling um, excluded and neglected mm-hmm. and, and um, rejected and so on. Um, I'm having a, a, a blast connecting with LGBTQ plus people all around the world mm-hmm. uh, who love my LGBTQ plus cartoons. Mm-hmm. I just posted one today of a rainbow sheep um, and, and people just love hearing that they're okay, that they're valid, that their journeys are valid, that their identity is fine, and that they're loved and cared for and supported. That to me is, that's the good news, is, is that we're all together in this and um, we can love one another and support one another and care for one another. And uh, that to me is, is really the good news that I'm, I'm seeing played out in a very practical way from people all around the world, it's it's just incredible. I'm very thankful for that. I know the downs. I watched social, uh, the social dilemma. I watched it. I get it. Uh, I know the dangers. I'm aware of the dangers. I agree. 
I, I'm also from that movie. I took a great deal of hope that there's people who care and trying to change it into a more ethical, you know, experience for people online. Sure. And I love that. Um, so, you know, just the fact that there's people who care about people, care about our health, that we care about one another, uh, even though it's online, to me, it seems very real, very legit. Yeah. And uh, I'm very happy to be a part of that community. Yeah, and aren't, I think you that, though? aren't you though? Isn't it incredible? Yeah, it really is. And I think if anything, like this pandemic, as horrible as it has been, as much as it's kept people away from one another, it almost forced people into a situation where they had to rely on technology, whether it's yeah. Zoom or whether it's social media, to some extent to remain connected to people. And I think that yeah. I think a lot of businesses in particular I've seen and churches I've seen the power that it can have if it's used in a good way. And I think to your point, you know, it's that, that feeling of being, of being one, of being connected to other people in the midst of a really hard time um, mm. is, is good news in a sense. And I, I concur with what you're saying in that, like I think of my own community, it's, it's, it's small, but it's, I feel like it's tight and we have like yeah. many different ways that we connect with people. Like I'm, I'm a Herbert myself these days. Like I, I work from home for Apple. So I don't know when I'm going to be going back to the store. I work on my podcast. I talk to people like you and it all happens pretty much at this desk that I'm sitting at. <laughs> and, you know, we have our Facebook group. We have a Marco Polo group where we send video chats back and forth. And like, I have some of the greatest connections with these people more so than I've had with people growing up in church. Like I just, I feel connected. I feel close to people. Um, especially when we send video chats back and forth, like I can see the tears in people's eyes. Like it's just like, those are just magical moments. And I feel like in the midst of everything that seems to be falling down around us in 2020, that is yeah. definitely a glimpse of, of the good news. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, uh, you know, that, that I think it's, uh, Ephesians where there's now no dividing wall between us because right. of Christ's work on the cross. I mean, that's Pauline, very Pauline theology. A lot of scholars would argue that's not Paul who wrote Ephesians, but it mm -hmm. definitely is Pauline theology that at the work of Christ tore down the dividing walls between yeah. people. And, and it's so cool to experience that. Um, even though it's online. I mean, I was just talking with somebody last night from Costa Rica on Instagram who mm. said, you know, you and your wife, next time you're in Costa Rica, we went there a few years ago. Next time you're in Costa Rica, please come and visit us. And you, we have a house and you can stay with us. And, you know, I get the same messages from people in Australia and Russia and South Africa and, you know, you name it. Um, we, we have a place we can go. Right. And these are people who I feel the genuine connection with. Yeah. And it's all because of the, the message of love and inclusion and acceptance. Most of my people, most of the people I, I hang with online are people who are like ex-evangelicals yeah. or ex-church people or people who are deconstructing or, you know, ex-believers or now agnostics or atheists, you know, whatever. And yeah. it's just a phenomenal sense of family and connection and um, union. And, you know, I, I chalk that up to, um, um, you know, just that, that message of love and, and uh, compassion and acceptance and inclusion. Yeah. I was always told that the, the wilderness was a very lonely place to be. And uh, I think, at first, when I kind of stepped out here, it was lonely, but then I yeah. got to see that there's a lot of other people out here too, like yourself, uh, building these communities 
that is actually yeah. not a very lonely place at all. Well, I, you know, there's different levels too. Like you say, you have small groups and then yeah. you have your larger community and so on. I do too. I have the mm -hmm. Lasting Supper, which is my, that's a smaller community of, uh, you know, a couple hundred people. And yeah. we have a, a private Facebook group we hang out in and, you know, we get very real down and dirty there, you know, <laughs> um, with each other about what's going on in our lives. And then, you know, there's a broader community, like my Instagram um, account. There's yeah. like, I just passed 50,000 55,000 followers wow. and uh, it's just dynamic. It's just yeah. so much fun and, <clears throat> and it's just marvelous. I, I really am happy about, about that. Yeah. One of the things I've loved seeing you on Instagram the last, you've been doing the last couple of months, I think is you'll take, you'll take one of somebody's uh, criticism and you'll make a meme out of it. <laughs> it cracks me I up. I just did that last night. Yes. I just did that last night where a guy said, you call this art, my five-year-old could draw better than you. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it that you like spotlight the comment in a beautiful graphic. You know, <laughs> and even that, even though, even though, uh, you know, I think that was <laughs> rude. And I, 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 I would never, if I saw somebody's art, I would never stop and take the time to make them feel like, Right. Like, right. I, I don't understand that mentality, but I do that because um, it takes the sting out of it. You know, yeah. sure, at first it hurts, but I, I make fun of it and it kind of takes the sting out of it. And who knows, maybe Ron one day will kind of laugh and say, that was kind of silly. I shouldn't say that, you know, yeah. come back and apologize or I don't know. I don't care. But, you know, it, it's often, I've seen it before where some of my best friends right now used to be some of my greatest enemies who hated the stuff I did. They just yeah. hated it. And now yeah. they're, we're friends, you yeah. know, um, because they now get it. They've been yeah. through deconstruction or whatever. So funny. Yeah. And I think too, like, even like for me, like seeing, seeing someone like you, um, frame criticism that comes their way in that way, uh, yeah. brings, I think brings a level of, of good news and the level of, of hope to myself because like, you know, I even think about the criticism that I get. And sometimes, like you said, it can get you down. It can make yep. you feel like crap, but to see yep. somebody like you take their, take that criticism and spin it in a different way makes, makes it almost easier for me to do the same thing in my own mind. And I think other people yeah. too, because I think I've seen other people comment on those images that you post and they say similar things where it's like, man, I get criticism all the time too, but this is a really unique way to frame mm -hmm. it and to spin it. Yeah. It's, it, and it's fun. It's entertaining. And, <laughs> yes. um, you know, um, it helps people see that, uh, you know, I, it, there have been times when I've gotten criticism that was absolutely devastating. And, mm. and I think it's helped me build up a little bit of an immunity to um, criticism, but also to praise. I mean, I get a lot of praise from people and, sure. um, and so it's, it's helped me with that as well, that mm. opinion is just opinion. Um, I, I receive your criticism. I receive your praise, yeah. but I'm not going to let it influence what I do unless, yeah. right. you know, unless, you know, once in a while, something will come across where I'll, somebody will say, like, I'll give you an example. I did a cartoon um, some months ago and a Jewish person says, you know, um, I, I love your stuff, but this might be taken as anti-Semitic. Hmm. Um, and, and I looked at the cartoon again, I thought, you know what, I totally didn't mean that at all, but yeah, I can see how somebody could twist this around to think it was anti-Semitic, hmm. uh, because I think Christianity and the church to be, be blunt with you, 
does have a latent and sometimes overt uh, anti-Semitism in its theology and yeah. in it, you know the, its view of the Old Testament and well even me saying Old Testament you know uh, and and so on so I changed the cartoon I took that down and changed the cartoon oh wow yeah and so that happens once in a while but most of the time when somebody says you you suck or you know you're going to hell or whatever then yeah. it's you know I take it with a grain of salt you know because sure. I've heard it before and I've heard it so much. My dog's barking in the background. Sorry. That's okay. I've got a dog too. Sorry to our yeah. listeners too. When Amazon <laughs> shows up, she goes nuts. Yeah, my wife just went outside and uh, I think the dog's having like an anxiety attack because she gets nervous when Dana leaves. So I guess we'll just have to deal with it and see if I can edit it out later. But uh, you talk about inclusion before and I think uh, one oh. of the things I've noticed in your work is that it really centers around inclusion, like not just LGBTQ inclusion, but this idea that like all people are welcome and have a spot um, at God's table. Like you have this one cartoon and I'm, I'm vaguely remembering this, but it's like a picture of a door. On the one side of the door, there's an LGBTQ person. On the other side of the door, there's a straight person. And the caption is something like the only sin is the door. Uh, right. Meaning like the door is the sin because the door creates division. And you've got another cartoon kind of along those same lines where all these people have a pencil and they're drawing lines and Jesus is following them with an eraser and he's erasing the lines because again, it's like getting rid of those boundaries, those dichotomies because of the, the boundaries, the real sin. So like, I'm wondering mm-hmm. when, when did this theme of all people being welcome become like important for you? Is this something that has always been part of your belief system? Was it something that kind of, came as a result of your own deconstruction like what what is that where did that passion come from well that's that's a huge that's a, such a huge and important question for me um because my my deconstruction started way back in seminary and and my deconstruction was like a slow glacial melt mm. uh it took years decades and because for me it was me struggling over my absolute uh well not absolute over my i I had the certainty and a lot of it was from scripture yeah that god loved the whole world Hmm. bar none everyone was included in god's love and no one was excluded and uh so you know that's the inspiration behind my all means all and you know all those kinds of things but i uh, i was also part of a uh you know the church that Hmm thinks often in exclusive ways so that there were prescriptions in how to participate in that uh, universal love. And that was by being born again and, you know, living the the life of a Christian and, you know, so on and so forth. So I struggled with this conflicting ideas of, of universal love with, uh, uh, steps of salvation, let's say, yeah. and, uh, and salvation, we can sum it up with mm. salvation. So I, I, I really had a hard time and I struggled with that for my whole ministry where I, I felt that dual, th- that duality going on in my mind and yeah. it would leak out in my sermons and so on, where I had the sense that everyone is loved, everyone's included. Um, and that, uh, Nevertheless, uh, here, here are the steps that you should take in order to really enjoy it, yeah. and um, including going to church, mm. particularly mine. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> if you want to get specific, yeah. my church. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that, that was really, um, you know, sort of the, the root of my deconstruction. And then in 2009, I had a powerful sort of a, I don't know what to call it, like a epiphany um, mm. or a revelation or a insight or a spiritual experience or cataclysmic emotional <laughs> awareness moment. I don't know what you want to call it. Right. Where I saw that we are deeply connected, all of us, everyone in the world, at a deep and fundamental level, we are one and connected. And the only thing that seems to separate us is our language, the words we choose to try to describe what we perceive as reality. There's only one reality. There's a million interpretations of that reality. Mm. And, uh, and a million languages used to interpret that reality. Yeah. So for me, that was in 2009. It was like a devastating and absolutely wonderful uh, moment in my life when I saw that so clearly. And I started trying to express that in my blog and so on and so forth. And that's what actually led to me eventually needing to leave the ministry and leave mm. the church. Because I was raising, you know, the alarms were going off in, at headquarters and <laughs> I was starting to get calls and letters of concern and blah, blah, blah. And I knew, and I knew my time was up. It was yeah. just a matter of when. And it was within the year when I actually left the ministry. And, I, I, and so I continue to, to this day to try to describe what I saw. Mm. Uh, in ways that will be helpful to other people. I, I've called it the Z theory. You might remember that. I don't know if you will or not. I remember it from one of your books. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my Z theory, I want to sit down and write that book. I need to write that book because I think it's so important for, for us um, to, to be able to discuss this reality that not only some theologians, but mystics and quantum physicists and philosophers and everyone are talking at that level of we are deeply connected at a deep and fundamental level. We are one, we are united, but there's all this differentiation and diversity going on that we seem to lay emphasis on rather than the unity part. So mm. um, that to me is what's, what's really important and, and why I'm so um, adamant about it and talk mm. about it all the time, because I think this is what, um, brings us together and what some people use to tear us apart. Yeah. Now, can you drill down a little bit deeper into what that means that we're all one? Like, obviously you want to write a book about it. So there's obviously a lot that you could talk about, but like the, the, the term oneness is obviously a huge, it's kind of like a buzzword these days. Like I hear it a lot of different places, a lot of different types of people, but when you talk about us all being one or all being connected at some level, uh, like what's the what's the Cliff Notes version of what, of what that means? I find it interesting that um, like I I don't get a lot of um, joy or uh, you know I don't get excited reading many theology books or spiritual yeah. books or whatever. What really turns me on right now is uh, like quantum physicists like Carlo Rovelli hmm. um, uh, seven brief essays on physics hmm. uh, and uh, you know, you start talking with other uh, or listening or reading other quantum physicists like David Bohm, or you, you read the mystics like hmm. Meister Eckhart 
or you read some people like um, well Richard Rohr yeah. uh, would be one like in the the, um, the Universal Christ mm. or uh, you you read um, some philosophers like um, Slavoj Žižek mm. or you you read Hegel or um, you know Kierkegaard or you read other Christian mystics or or whatever you you start hearing the same kind of theme hmm. that there is this deep and fundamental connection between all people hmm. that even shows up in science and in physics and so on that it's, it's baffling these experiments that they're doing where they can, they can, you know, rotate a quark across the room right. <laughs> one way and a matching quark on the other side of the room will rotate in the same way. Like yeah. it's, you know, just things are, are baffling uh, to us. And I think this is something that is essentially true, that we're deeply connected. But what seems to divide us, I'm not saying it does divide us, it only seems to, is our apprehension of this reality. Uh, there's one reality, but there's so many uh, apprehensions of it and so many articulations of it. And that's where we focus, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. We focus on the differentiation. I'm all for diversity. I think diversity is important. I think we need to appreciate the differences and the diversity, but we should not let that blind us to the fact that these are just like ripples on the surface of a river that when you get really deep down into that river, there's one current that mm -hmm. never changes and is always still and, and um, always serene and always tranquil. It's just the surface that seems to distract us with its yeah. many different manifestations. So mm. that's what I, that's what I talk about all the time. That's what my cartoons almost always um, point to. Yeah. Have you ever heard of uh, Neil Donald Walsh? Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, he wrote a book, a series of books a long time ago called Conversations with God. Uh -huh. where he, uh, yeah. Talks yes. about this experience he had where he was mm -hmm. talking with God and he kind of wrote it all down. And his big thing, he was on the podcast over the summer and he was talking to me about this idea of oneness. And his, his big question is, you know, what if, what if we are really one, one spiritual being that's manifesting in individual ways? And mm -hmm. what if we're individual people who really make up one spiritual being almost? So again, that idea of connectedness that, you know, we're, we're all, we all share the same substance. We all share the same um soulish makeup we all share the same spirit on some level and what if that really keeps us connected you know even to people on the other side of the world at this very yeah. um and i think that's just such a fascinating idea and i think when you when you think about that it makes times like 2020 in the midst of a pandemic i think there's a sense of good news in there like we said at the beginning that we're not alone that we're somehow connected Yes. with our brothers and our sisters and everybody else around the world we're not alone because oftentimes it can feel alone like you said when you're isolated you have to stay in you're away from people you know your normal schedule is way off kilter and i think yes. we, when you can feel alone if you can remember that sense of connectedness i think it brings a sense of goodness into the midst into the mix of the of the dumpster fire yeah and, and like so uh, i mentioned carlo Rovelli, the uh, italian physicist yeah uh, quantum physicist and David Bohm and so on. Yeah. Um, just fascinating reading this stuff because I'll be reading them and they might be uh, proclaimed atheists or whatever. And like I remember one time I was reading uh, one of these physicists. 
<laughs> physics books and I'm not like I, I had to take math every year at, right. at summer school and high school. I sucked at math and I still do. But I was just fascinated by the way they describe reality mm. or attempted to describe reality. And I remember one time I was reading this book and Lisa looked over and says, are you crying? I'm, I'm like, yeah, this is just so moving. This is so powerful. Like that, like, and j- because the way he was describing reality was the way I'd experienced it. Yeah. And um, it, it's just, you know, fascinating to me. Uh, he talks about, for example, why do things, this is huge in science. Why do things always fall, always cool down and always slow down? Like mm. why? why, why don't they heat up, speed up and rise? Mm. Um, it's because it takes energy, energy. And, and, and um, you know, when, when energy stops, things fall, cool, and uh, slow. And, um, and I, I'm, just, I'm just like, this makes so much sense. That's why love is hard and hate is easy. Love takes energy um, for things to happen, for things to bring us together and to employ justice and um, um, inclusion. And all. that takes a lot of work. It's easy to hate. Uh, hate is when you, you stop. Hate is inertia. Um, hate is, I forget the scientific term when things stop and cool and slow. I forget the word. Um, I I definitely don't know. (laughs) Yeah. You would recognize it if I said it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, this is what, um, that to me is a very theological idea, even though it's, I read it from a physics book. Yeah, I was having a conversation with somebody like a week or so ago. We were talking about that Bible verse where it talks about teachers coming along, like tickling the ears of their listeners. And we were talking about Jesus talking about the the wide road that leads to destruction and the narrow road that leads to life. And, you know, like growing up, I was always taught that tickling ears meant, you know, it's those preachers that come along and they preach the easy stuff, you know, all the loving, gushy-gushy stuff and they don't want to talk about the hard truths of the Bible. And you know, the wide road was the people who you know, traveled down that road because they believed all those things. And that led to destruction. It was the narrow road of the people who were going to follow the hard truths of the Bible. But now, like we were talking, I was like, you know, what if the ear tickling is the preachers who are preaching the hate? Like, what if the, you know, the, because hatred comes easy. So, you know, hating yeah. people, hating people who are different than us, casting them out, building our little country club. Like that's easy. And it seems to me like that's the wide road. Because it seems to me like there's a lot of people traveling that road these days. But to what you were just saying, like doing this hard work of, of love and inclusion and grace and fighting for peace and forgiveness and all these different things like that's, that's hard work. And there's not many people like just, just think of churches that are homogenous where everybody's the same. No no efforts required. Yeah. But when you when your church is a diverse community where you have different races, different right. uh, sexual orientations, different yeah. identities, yeah. Um, you know, different theologies, uh, you know, it's different um, class of people, mm-hmm. income level. Yeah. It, it it's hard. It's harder. Yeah, it takes energy. Yeah, and I think that you know, it's there's not many people's ears being tickled by that these days. So I think yeah. to your point, yeah. I think it's the other. The other side that is the ear tickling. Yeah. yeah I, I, I totally, totally agree. So why do you think, you know, talk about like, we're talking about prescriptive and descriptive before in terms of the good news. Like why do you think in, in the, in the West in particular, 
why is it so easy to buy into? Why have we bought into that idea of a prescriptive good news where it's very exclusive? You know, you have to believe the right things in order to be in the club. You have to say the right prayer or whatever in order to be in the club. Like it doesn't, I've done a lot of reading recently about like the East and, you know, Eastern Orthodoxy and stuff. And others like obviously huge differences between East and in the West and kind of the thinking and the theology, but what is it about the West do you think that has made us buy into that kind of good news? So hardcore. Yeah. Is it like our individualism? Is it like, well, you know, I imagine like the earliest church would be like going out to the Gentiles and to the poor and to the widows and to the uh, marginalized and excluded and, uh, and just preaching the good news. Hey, God loves you. Right. Um, you don't have to be this or that. You're loved. Awesome. Uh, and you, you get together, you gather together, um, you end up calling it church or whatever, um, and you support one another. You, you uh, elect people to take care of the orphans and widows and, mm. um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's wonderful. But after a while, you, you, you know, it's like, okay, these guys are way too experienced to just be feeding poor people food. We, we want to elevate these people to positions of ministry. And now we need to bring in other people to help serve them. And you have to start organizing. It's just inevitable. You just yeah. have to start organizing. And then, you know, then you have to, if somebody's going to be elevated to a higher level of ministry, uh, they have to have qualifications. And then if, you know, if somebody wants to be admitted to the table, um, you know, let's say the earliest communion was actually a meal. Let's say they want to be admitted to the table. Well, not just anybody can come because we don't want, don't want people who are just hungry. Mm. Like they actually have to fulfill certain requirements if they want to be a part of our community. You know, you know how it goes. Yeah. And I think that's just what happens is that, mm. you know, what's the, the, the synthesis, uh, synthesis and antithesis, yeah. uh, antithesis, you know? Yeah. So uh, I think it's just the cycle that, that uh, just occurs where things have to get organized. I remember, I remember one time, I'm not going to mention any names, but I, <laughs> I was, uh, I was invited to uh, a, a house church movement um, workshop mm-hmm. and I went and uh, because, you know, I doing home groups and, you know, stuff like that and house churches to me are a valid option for people. Mm. And uh, they were talking about and boasting about how free they were. There was no authority. Uh, they were autonomous. Each house church was autonomous and um, so on and so forth. But then towards the end, they started talking about uh, we need to hire somebody like a bishop to oversee these uh, a certain group of churches because there's this one uh, house church w- was going a little off the rails theologically. And then this one was, you know, um, a little too inclusive. And then this one was dealing with what they called extra grace required people. And, and they needed to have some sort of overseer to say, I'm like, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Yeah. There, it's just, you've just become the same old thing again, even though it was uh, created this movement was created in reaction yeah. to the uh, organized church. It was quickly becoming one uh, just with a different um, location. Yeah. It's Living almost like it. Cathedral. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like instead of it evolving, it almost like devolves back into the very yeah. thing you were creating it to stand 
almost in yeah. opposition too. Yeah. So you used to be a, a pastor and let, let's close with this. Um, talk for a moment to the person who's listening, who maybe they're triggered by Christmas time. Like maybe they grew up, you know, in that evangelical world, like we were talking about and they were taught that the good news is for the people that believe the right thing, say the prayer, whatever. Um, good news comes with stipulation. So maybe when they go to church with their family, like just the one time of the year that they go, maybe Christmas and Easter, maybe it drudges up, you know, all that old baggage, the feelings, the emotions that they, that they used to wrestle with. And maybe they wrestle with, you know, believing it today. Do I, do I believe this? Do I just believe that I'm loved and welcome the way that I am? Like all those things. Like what would you say to that person today if they were on, the mic um, right. kind of wrestling with all that stuff today you know i think a lot of the um anxiety for people comes from um thinking they need to fulfill an expectation and yeah. um you know a tradition and and mm -hmm. so on. like when we we left the church um now lisa and i like i just wrote a book i'm, I'm not promoting it i'm just mentioning this book no you can promote it go for it <laughs> okay um called Till doubt do us part when yep. changing beliefs change your marriage. So Lisa and I, um, when we, you know, left the church, we went in vastly different directions and, and, you know, we had to work out our marriage and, and mm. so on. And part of it was how do we do what we did? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, how do we do Christmas and Easter? Do we sure. pray for meals now? Like, do mm. we, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? Do we talk about Jesus or what? Like, what mm. do we, how do we do this? And so a lot of it was just, needing to release uh, the expectation of um, what was expected or what was normal or what was orthodox or whatever. Yeah. Because I really do believe, and I, I'm saying this to you right now, whoever's listening, you are free to make your own decision on how to live your life and how to be spiritual. You're, you're completely free. There's no hammer in heaven waiting to you know, strike you on the head yeah. uh, or making a wrong choice or for doing, you know, something that wasn't appropriate at Christmas time. So you're, mm. you're completely free. I know some people who drop Christmas altogether. Mm. I know people who have invested in, uh, in you know, the whole um, concept of decorating their home for Christmas. And, mm. you know, as some people might proclaim the whole pagan, you know, Christmas celebration mm. with the tree and everything. Uh, and and Santa Claus and whatever and then some who just emphasize emphasize family um, and focus on family yeah. and friends or you know there's all there's a million ways to celebrate Christmas yeah. and um, including not right right so not at all. you're yeah. completely yeah you're, you're completely free nobody's judging you there's no condemnation you are free to to be who you are at, mm. during Christmas time. Um, now, how you deal with people who are watching you, that's another question. Yeah. But I am all for spiritual independence. How you want to choose to be spiritual, that's your choice. Yeah. I think there's a huge amount of freedom that comes when you are able to cut, cut the cord of those expectations of others. And I think that goes not only for this conversation with Christmas, but just the whole conversation of deconstruction in general. Uh, you know, I know for me, like when I first started the the podcast and stuff, like there's so many people that were you know concerned for me, and I was still closely associated with the school that I was part of, seminary, and like I knew coming out of there, there was this set of expectations that were maybe unmentioned, but I knew that they were there on what I was going to be and what I was going to do with my degree and things like that, and I think that 
once I kind of got myself to a point, much thanks to people such as yourself who just following you online and having conversations with you, who helped me kind of understand that like those expectations are really just expectations from a system. Um, the evangelical machine that I came out of. And those are the expectations that are there, but that doesn't need to dictate my life. And I don't have to, I'm, I'm free to operate apart from that, but that's all that I knew for such a long time. So kind of operating apart from that felt very scary. But I think once I had other people like yourself come around me um, and help me, there was a lot of freedom in that. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for that. And yeah, no, totally. It's, it's the, um, every once in a while, somebody comes along and encourages us and just, you know, I have disappointed so many people. Yeah. I have let so many people down. Yeah. Um, I have, I have totally destroyed so many expectations, mm. but I've also blown away so many expectations. Mm. Like who would have thought I, I would never have dreamed 10 years ago, I'd be doing what I'm doing now yeah. and I'm happier than I've ever been. Right. So, um, you know, how other people adjust to that, that's their problem. That's not my problem. Your right. expectation on me is not my problem. It's your problem. That's right. And, um, and so, uh, realizing that early on in my life, not that early on, uh, you know, halfway through my life, uh, realizing that freed me up to pursue what I felt I needed to do and how to be me and how to be spiritual and how to be independent and autonomous and, you know, sovereign as a person and a spiritual person. And, you know, here I am um, doing what I think I need to be doing and enjoying it. Right. So good, my friend. Well, we are just about out of time. I got to clock back in for work because I am on a lunch break. But uh, as always, it was a pleasure to talk with you. And thanks for taking the time to chat. But most importantly, uh, thank you for your friendship. Really means a lot to me. Thank you, man. Yeah, I appreciate your friendship as well. It's good to connect. Yeah. uh, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Yes. uh, Merry Christmas to you. And real quick, I know you just reworked your website. You kicked off some new designs. Do you want to plug that real quick? Yeah, go to nakedpastor.com uh, and you'll end up at Naked Pastor Store. We're still working on it. We've got a lot to do, um, but we're having a lot of fun. We've got new designs on there and T-shirts and prints and, you know, my books are available there. So uh, I've got courses. So, yeah, just go to nakedpastor.com and from there you'll find everything that I do. And I'm here to help you. I love helping people and I'm really good at responding to email or messages. I always respond. So I'm available to you if you need any help. And, um, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's do this journey together. And, um, I'm glad to connect with you. Amen. Well, I'll put that in the show notes and I will do this again for a fourth time sometime soon. (laughs) All right, man. All right, bud. See ya. Deconstructed these walls and I found a business where the